Welcome to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the news industry from the people who did. I'm Jacqueline Ganun. On today's episode, I'm talking to Stephen Fowler, a reporter for Georgia Public Broadcasting who covers state and local politics. Stephen's work focuses on voting rights, state government, and campaigns. He's also the host of the Battleground Ballot Box podcast. Today, we chat about the intrigue of politics in Georgia, the power of local political reporting, and how radio can transport people into a story. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Now, here's the lead. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So my first question is, what drew you to covering politics? Well, I guess politics kind of drew me. Uh, I studied political science in college at Emory, uh, then switched majors a couple different times. was always interested in political type things. Uh, and then it just so happened uh, when I got hired at GPB and was the afternoon producer and backup host, a lot of the stories that I did were politics adjacent, uh, covered election night in 2016 for the presidential race. And so ahead of the 2018 election, after the primary, my boss at the time was like, hey, what if you covered politics and reported full time? And I said, great. And little did I know uh, what that would turn into over these last four years. It's been a very interesting political place to be even back in 2018. So uh, great beat, lots of ground to cover. And I just think it's fun. And so you said you started as a producer and then you ended up reporting. So can you talk about some of the differences between those two roles? Yeah. So in radio, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that is very important you know, as the producer, I would help our anchor with writing newscast copy, with booking interviews, with recording interviews and editing and transcribing. And so there's a lot of behind the scenes work in radio and in television. It's a very good foundational job in broadcast. And some people like being producers and spend their entire careers being producers, and they're very, very good at it. And uh, other people like doing more reporting or forward-facing work. Uh, I've done reporting, I've done producing, I've done anchoring, and they all have their ups and downs and their perks. But to me, in this moment at least, I like reporting a lot more. So I'm the one doing the sound gathering and the interviews with people, and I transcribe my own stuff and usually mix it all together. And so... uh, Similar skill sets used in different ways and different combinations, but uh, I cannot oversell how important producers are to the work in radio and television and other mediums that sometimes people overlook. And that tracks with what I've seen in you know past audio internships. It seems as though some of the work that goes on behind the scenes and is some of the most important in getting those shows and stories out there tends to be a bit underappreciated. So I think that's good advice to work in those roles to kind of understand what's going on in in that realm of radio. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered in covering politics? You know, a lot of people in Georgia and across the country live 
their day-to-day lives without interacting with people that don't look like them, think like them, sound like them, and have similar experiences. And some people are more receptive than others to the possibility that there's something else out there. And so a lot of times I've done reporting and, you know, people attack me for it and they're like, oh, there's no way that's true. And it's not always the same political party or the same side of an issue. Um, And so we are a little bit more polarized and a little bit more insulated as a society than maybe we used to be, or maybe in a different way, because there's always been polarization and kind of negativity in politics. Lately, the biggest challenge has been uh, divides over the 2020 election and the results and what happened and uh, how the outcome was the way it was. There's a lot of election denial out there and a lot of people that refuse to believe in Georgia's election results, in their friends and neighbors that voted and their friends and neighbors that served as poll workers and election workers. And uh, it's a little bit hard to talk to some people that live in a different, completely different reality than we live in now. And it's both hard to talk to them and hard to talk about them. I think that's a really eloquent quote about it being hard to talk to people and to talk about people that you don't necessarily understand where they're coming from. But I think that just shows the importance of, you know, keeping trying to get to those people and trying to understand where they're coming from and communicate with them as best you can. So the, one of the biggest stories right now is obviously the midterms where Georgia's playing a really important role in the you know national balance of power. So can you talk about how you're covering these midterms? I mean, I think it's in many ways no different than any other election year. There's candidates for office that uh, present the image that they want you to think. There's the reality of their past policies or statements or personal histories. There's trying to convey the stakes of, you know, if you elect either person for this office, this is what this office does and how it affects your life. And then trying to put it all in the context of what's going on nationally and what's going on uh, at the state level and even what's going on down at the local levels that affects things. You know, voters are not monoliths. You can't say, okay, well, this is what all Republicans think, or this is what all Democrats think. I mean, even geographic areas, you know, you can't say this is what Southwest Georgia feels about inflation. Uh, And so getting into the nuances and really uh, letting people's voices shine through, which is a perk of radio that I think you don't necessarily get in other mediums as much. Um, But this is another unprecedented year for Georgia. We've got record early voting turnout so far that we're seeing record enthusiasm. Once again, we could be the state that decides who gets to control the U.S. Senate for the next two years. And the two candidates for governor have pitched a markedly different vision for Georgia for the next you know, decade plus if they're elected into office. And so you know, the good news is, is I think more people are paying attention and more people are tuning in to who their leaders are at the federal, state, and local level. The bad news is, is that Georgia is such a politically divided state and it's so close that there are some people that uh, are putting that power on a pedestal more than some of the humanity and more of some of the actual policies that might shape Georgia. So moving backwards a little bit, can you talk about some of the formative experiences that you've had during your career that have kind of A, gotten you to where you are, and then B, help you in that current role? I think 
from a radio making perspective, a story that still sticks with me, that's also radio and politics, is a story I did, it was in 2019, and the final minutes of the legislative session, the clock is getting close to midnight, and the lawmakers were voting on a bill that would make the shoal bass the official riverine fish of Georgia. And there were other bills to discuss, and there were other things, and I remember thinking, what a waste of time. This is incredibly dumb. This is what we're doing. I want to go home. I've been at the Capitol for you know, 14, 15, 16 hours at that point, and the bill failed. And so a couple weeks later, we were talking about doing a series at GPB about uh, nature and the outdoors. And I'm like, huh, let me figure out what the deal is with a shoal bass, why it was one of the last bills at like 11.55 p.m., why it was so important to this lawmaker and why it failed. And so I ended up finding a very, very good story that stemmed from a lawmaker having students uh, participate in a bill writing process as part of a civics course, uh, talking to the riverkeeper about the shoal bass's importance in keeping clean water and drinkable water for people of Georgia who live along the Flint River and talk to a fishing guide who said the shoal bass is a fun sport fish that people come from all over the world to fish. You know, it ended up being a very good political story because it got to the root of why these bills did what they did. Uh, and also from a radio perspective, it was really, really great because I literally went into the middle of the Flint River, waist deep water, holding a microphone above my head while this guy's fishing for shoal bass and you can hear the water running and you can hear the subtle flick of the reel as he lets it go and starts casting for these fish and you know it really immerses you you feel like you're in the middle of this water trying to catch a fish and talking about why it's important to this little corner of the state and so it that really taught me the magical power of radio storytelling that can do more justice to an issue than just reading it or even watching it can do. Yeah, that's something we talk about, or at least I've been talking about a lot in my classes, is just the value of going and getting out there in real life to places. Especially my college experience has been mostly COVID, so it's been kind of an adjustment. And you also do audio in the form of a podcast and not just radio stories. Um, you've been hosting Battleground Ballot Box since September 2020, which at this point is two years old. So what has that experience been like? And what are some of the major changes that you've seen over that period? Uh, really, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, somehow, when we started in 2020, it was twice a week. And it's evolved as the different stories have evolved. I mean, uh, after 2020, that was kind of breaking news coverage and analysis of this election lawsuit or that audit or things like that. Uh, it went on a little bit of a hiatus as things kind of kept calm through parts of 2021. But as it ratcheted back up, it's really pivoted to more longer form storytelling, a lot of context, a lot of sound about stories that you just can't get to in the typical radio time slots. And so I think I've done a lot of really good deeper dive stories that otherwise wouldn't be able to uh, be told the way they are, you know, ranging from uh, in-depth look at how Governor Brian Kemp was pushing back against uh, a Trump-backed primary challenger by touting his record, or 
uh, one of my favorites is spent a day out in uh, East Georgia after somebody blew up the Georgia Guidestones and kind of did a deeper dive into how conspiracy theories and bombing a granite monument actually impacted the people that live there beyond headlines about alleged portals to hell and other things like that. And so, uh, you know, podcasts can be very boring, you know, I'll be the first to admit, but I think the podcast that I've done is go a little bit deeper, go beyond the headlines and really put the context and all the stuff that doesn't normally make it into the quicker, uh, here's what you need to know and why type stories that the frantic news cycle kind of dictates. Yeah, you have those those skimmers, the people who just kind of want to know what's going on, who are the major players, and then you have those people that want that more in-depth analysis. So I think it's great to have another avenue for people who want that more in-depth stuff, but without cluttering the radio spots with a ton of extra context and deep analysis. And so speaking of radio, we discussed this a bit before, but why do you why are you drawn to radio and audio as a storytelling medium? It forces better stories to happen because people are listening in their cars on the way to work or while they're cooking dinner. You really have to drill down to here's what's important, here's why it's important, here's somebody telling you why it's important. You have to be evocative in your writing. You have to be brief and you have to be meaningful with the words you choose. And you can really transport somebody there, whether it's the middle of the Flint River or a crowded protest in downtown Atlanta or a, you know, rural farm in South Georgia. And I think that's better storytelling. I think it allows better political storytelling. So you hear the sounds of places and you hear real people in their own words and their own uh, voices and demeanors telling you about why this is an important issue or what happened. And I think it's more authentic. And I think it's something that resonates with a lot more people that not to say it's far superior than print or television or other things like that. But I just think it's a different type of story that really hits people in a different way. There is just something about hearing somebody's voice and hearing the, you know, the way they're feeling, the emotions, whether they're happy or sad. I feel like it just creates that connection. So journalism is a stressful field and political reporting, I know, can be especially tough. So are there ways that you protect yourself against burnout? Absolutely. I mean, my editors are really, really good about Uh, making sure that all of us have time to decompress and that we're not just burning both ends of the candle seven days a week, you know, 10 weeks straight. Um, So really a lot of credit goes to them for realizing that honestly, you can't get good stories if people are always tired and always burned out and always just always on. So another thing is, you know, Remembering to do things like go outside and take a walk each day and get fresh air and uh, move the body and not just sit hunched over a keyboard or, you know, constantly floating from one campaign event to the next is helpful. Uh, But also, yeah, it's important to be able to shut off from things that are going on because, you know, at the end of the day, that press release is still going to be in your inbox if you read it and do something about it at 8 p.m. versus 8 a.m. the next morning. It's remembering that you don't have to always be on 
and that honestly, there's such a fire hose of news that, you know, you're going to miss something. You're not going to be the first one to every single thing. You're not always going to have a story on every subject and the world will keep moving. That is definitely good advice. I feel like I've already kind of felt those pressures. So those are all really great things to keep in mind, especially for people who are entering the industry so they don't get burned out really quickly. So another thing that is kind of pretty salient, I feel like, especially for political journalists, is that attacks against journalists seem to be on the rise. There's a lot of distrust in media. Are you ever worried about attacks or retaliation, especially when you're telling stories that people don't necessarily want to hear? It's always in the back of mind. I mean, like I mentioned before, there are always some people that live in a different reality that we occupy and you have to keep those people in mind. But, you know, I've had plenty of stories where plenty of people didn't like what I wrote or how I wrote it. Plenty of people that have no issues telling me to my face or in DMs or emails, you know, no problems telling me those things. I think you can't take every criticism personally, because no matter what it is, there are always some people that are never going to be pleased. And that's not who you're doing this for. It's a balance. I mean, you don't want to, you know, keep tabs of every single person who's ever sent you a nasty note on a story. But sometimes there are people and things that are concerning, like, Uh, after a story I did once, an anonymous account sent me a screenshot of my parents' house on Zillow. You know, that I reported to my bosses and nothing ended up coming from it because, you know, it's something that you can kind of easily Google. The way people treat politics is like a game or a sport or like a zero-sum game. But I think it's important to Keep tabs on things that are concerning, but not let all the negativity get you down. And that's where unplugging and having editors and people that support you to say, okay, you know, maybe lay low for a day. At the end of the day, I think most people realize that there is a human being doing their job. And even if they don't like that job or like what came out of it, most people kind of eventually you're like, oh, that's a real person. Maybe I don't actually want to tell them that they need to rot in Guantanamo Bay for that story that they wrote. Wow, that is quite dramatic. I'm glad that your parents are okay. But I think that's great advice that kind of goes hand in hand with the avoiding burnout is to just make sure that you are, you know, taking care of yourself as a real person and not just a reporter. So if you had to choose just one project, what would be the one project that you've worked on that has had the most impact on you? I think my coverage of voting and elections has been some of the most meaningful work I've done. I mean, I started covering voting and how voting works and doesn't work when I started covering politics. And so for the last four years, it's been going to election board meetings and being one of the only people there sitting through court hearings and having to manually take notes because you can't record, building up four years worth of knowledge and expertise about something that is important to Georgians, but ultimately, unfortunately, ended up being an important facet of the future of American democracy and the peaceful transfer of power. And looking at everything from 
you know, tracking early voting data and who show out to doing investigations about why there are long lines in non-white communities in Metro Atlanta and not in other places. And I think, unfortunately and fortunately, the mechanisms of voting and the mechanisms of how we choose our leaders has become much more of a pressing story and a pressing part of day-to-day life. And it's not something you can just swoop in last minute and say, ah, I know everything there is to know about elections. Let me tell you these stories. And I think the coverage that I've done and that Mark Nisi at the AJC has done and that the outlet Vote Beat has done and others around voting has been a real public service to help people understand not only what's going on in Georgia, but in other places in a way that I think has made a positive impact and has gone beyond you know, headlines and hot takes and pundits and uh, politicians trying to tell you what is and isn't true. Finally, what advice do you have for aspiring journalists, especially those people that want to cover politics? I think getting out there and doing things. I mean, don't wait for somebody to give you permission or assign you a story to do something. And so taking the initiative to think of things and go beyond your comfort zone, go beyond what your, you know, if you're doing an internship, ask to go beyond what your parameters are uh, to stretch yourself. I mean, there needs to be more people that are willing to run into the burning building that is the modern media landscape. And I, I think, you know, if you're looking to get into a career in journalism, if you're looking to get into politics and things like that, honestly, starting local is not a punishment. It's not a sign that you don't have any sort of skill and you need to get better so you can work your way up to the big leagues. But honestly, it's more important to do. You know, national outlets have added people coming to Georgia because Georgia is a big political driver of what's happening in the country. But before they added people here, and even the people they add here, are the ones looking at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and Georgia Public Broadcasting and WABE and 11 Alive and all these other local media outlets because that's where the day-to-day journalism happens and the day-to-day impact and the day-to-day understanding of what goes on here. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. It's like you really get to know the community and the nuances and It really takes a lot of, I think, talent and skill to do all reporting. But like you said, local reporting is something that takes a lot, (laughs) takes a lot to do. And it's really impressive. But thank you so much, Stephen. This was a great conversation. Of course, anytime. Thank you again to Stephen for joining me on this episode. And thanks for tuning in to The Lead. I'm your host, Jacqueline Gannon. Our executive producer is Charlotte Norsworthy. And this show is supported by the Cox Institute. To keep up with the lead and hear more from media leaders, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at the lead podcast. See you next time.